welcome back to a special episode of the Books Brothers Podcast. If you've listened to any of our episodes, you've heard us share that we were in a fraternity together in college. While studying at Missouri State University, we all joined Theta Chi and had an amazing experience, and obviously created lasting friendships that continue to this day. Rob had the idea to try and connect with someone at the fraternity's headquarters to share what we've been doing with the book club, and most recently with the podcast, and our hopes to encourage others to read, reflect, and connect with other men. Greg Rush, the Director of Communications at the Fraternity Headquarters, reached out and asked to interview our group about the genesis of the podcast. Due to a last-minute scheduling conflict, Greg sent us his list of questions, and this episode is the recording of our answers. We'll post a link in the show notes to Greg's article he publishes. We hope you enjoy this discussion, sharing a little bit more of our college days and how our fraternity experience made a significant impact in each of our lives. As always, after the show, please share your comments and feedback by emailing us at connect at booksbrotherspodcast.com. Thanks to Greg Rush for reaching out and wanting to include us in the 2024 Summer Rattle Edition. Some of the questions he asked us, I'll just go down the list. What is the focus of this podcast? Well, the podcast first and foremost in my opinion is focused on us as a group communicating more maintaining these relationships that we forged in college and before and if we can share that with the world hopefully the stuff that we learn in the process of having a book club can rub off on other people yeah i i agree i mean that's that's kind of was the genesis of this was like hey this has been really impactful in our lives what if we just hit record don't change a thing. And maybe if it impacts some folks, they get the same things out of it that we've gotten out of it. That's great if we can share our message. Well, so, I mean, I had obviously reached out to a fraternity brother to say, hey, I think that this, you know, here's six Theta Chi's getting together, chatting, bunch of resolute men. I think that our audience would be resolute men themselves. So Theta Chi guys specifically. And so I think he got in touch with Greg. And so, yeah, I think the the whole process of getting together to try and, yeah, like you were saying, hit record and see what kind of impact we could have with other guys, gentlemen, and resolute men that probably all share a similar you know, experience from at least college background could be awesome for people to potentially learn and hear from. You know, step back and like have fun, which is what it's really about (laughs) for me. It's just having like the connection with our friend group that is hard to find, you know, once you get a little bit older to find friends that, you know, you can relate to as well as you can when you're in college, you know, the friends that you make in college are uh, just different. You know, you're like living together, you're there together all the time. It's harder to find those close connections outside of outside of that environment. And uh, we're blessed enough to have the technology to be able to continue that and stay connected. And I think uh, we have some unique experiences that are, you know, worthy of being shared with the hope of helping other men feel like they're not alone, you know? And so, yeah, I think that's things that I see this podcast being is just first and foremost for us to stay connected as friends and to have a good time and to learn, but to push each other and grow as men and yeah, just be a good influence hopefully on other men. I know in some of these things we've talked about in introduction 
I can't talk tonight, the introductory episode, but what motivated us to get together and start this? And when we say the podcast, it's really the book club. So what motivated us to start the book club? Yeah, it's humble beginnings. (laughs) You know, me um, kind of going through a really difficult time in a prior relationship and not having established connections outside of that. As I got older, and it was a really hard experience that kind of brought us all together. And obviously, not intentionally on my part, but that's kind of one of the silver linings from all of it was we all got together again. So it just kind of showed the importance of it. Yeah, we um, were motivated because we wanted to all extend a helping hand. Um, he says, I'm assuming you all met through your Theta Chi experience at Missouri State. What was the chapter like during the time you were active? Great until Garrett was president. I <laughs> <laughs> got him. Before you, oh, yeah, before you hopped on, Rob uh, said something very similar. Oh uh, yeah, Garrett was uh, Garrett was a really good president, actually. I think <laughs> someone had to say it. Yeah, for sure. I learned a lot um, from that experience. I'll say that. I would say, I mean, our our chapter was only was it even ten years old when we got in? It's like ten to fifteen. Around 10, yeah. I think it was like either, I always forget if it was 97 or 90. It may have like started in 97 and then like chartered in 99, I think. Yeah, you're right, I think. So we had just, I remember, hit about 100 members, right? When we when we were kind no, of rushing I, and getting in. I'm number 298. No, no, no. I mean active members at the at the fraternity. Oh, oh, like total? Yeah, yeah. We yeah. hit the 100 mark. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we were a fairly small fraternity on campus as far as active members goes until, you know, around the time we got involved. And I feel like throughout our four years, we were able to see us go from maybe a fraternity that was a little bit smaller, still kind of blooming to sort of like the, I mean, it was what, three or four years in a row we were we were kind of dominating the at least the fraternity side of, of campus in a lot of different ways, whether that's academic or sports or, you know, as far as, you know, how many, you know, recruiting. And so I feel like we were in it at a really exciting time. Yeah, I'd yeah. agree. Yeah. I mean, I, I would say we were fairly large even when we started. I think it was like 80 or 90. But yeah, to your point, like sophomore, junior year, we were, I think we were consistently over 100 members, which, you know, at University of Oklahoma, that's small, right? Fraternities yeah, are like 200 true. strong. But at Missouri State, that was one of the larger ones. And yeah, I would say the fraternity excelled in almost every major category that you could reference. We were at the top for chapter grades, which were not just higher than the average fraternity, but also higher than the university average. We would often compete at the highest level with intramurals, which were very competitive and just a, we, I just feel like we were a very well known and had a reputation for being one of the leading chapters on the campus when it came to student government, homecoming kings, um, just campus involvement, you know, maroon madness, you know, like when we had that stretch, when we had that fairly decent basketball team, just from the fun, the super fun side of things from, you know, painting up and getting the front row at the basketball games to being involved in very prominent student organizations, I I felt like our chapter had tremendous representation campus-wide and represented the values of the fraternity and represented the values of the university wanted in their student body very well. I was going to say great mentorship as well, like with Chris sending Thomas and I and Niles out to California to go to a conference out there and hang out with him. That That was was awesome. awesome. Yeah. Yeah. 
I mean, yeah, I think the the awards and all that stuff are, are good. Obviously, don't define us, but definitely a, an indication of the health of the fraternity. I think what when we were there, they had just got came off and I don't know how many years we were there, but we won what that top Kali award or whatever the top Theta Chi Alter, chapter Alter award. Awards. Alter Award. Like, Scott I think Turk we had won, won that. Scott like, Turk won the Kali. That's the individual award. The I think we won like two or three of those while we were there within the four year stretch. But, anyways, oh, my main point I is. I know what you're talking about. You're talking about like not just out of all the, the, Theta, Chi, the Theta Chi chapters, out of all fraternities. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah, we did too. win that two times. Yeah, you're right. But, anyways, it's not my main focus. It's uh, all of that said and done. It, it, it's we're a collection of the body. Yeah. So we're all a bunch of guys, you know, I, with some of these like teenagers that I disciple, they're going into college and I'm like, Hey man, like college is going to be an amazing time. All my friends that I talked to today, they're all from college. They're all from my fraternity. And that's what I like. The chapter made my college experience, um, because of guys like you. And without that, I mean, forget, you know, if we were first in this or first in that, like, it's all about the relationships. And I think that's what the podcast hits on. It's like the relationships were thriving. I think all of us got out and put in to the chapter what we wanted. And this is a representation of of uh, how important relationships were and how they stand the test of time. I can't forget you, Rob. I, I know you don't want to talk about the, the accolades. And I think what you said was great. But I got to give community service a shout out. This actually segues us to the next question. Did you hold yep. any positions? And Rob, one of the, I think you held more, maybe more than one. One of them was community service Twice. chair. And that I think, I, I mean, I'd have to check the logs, but it was the most amount of service hours we had my four years there. And it just, it was crazy. So yeah, we, we had the top community service served and by a long shot a lot because of Rob's leadership. Rob, did you, and that'll just segue to that. Did you, was that your, not only, but did you have any other positions in the chapter? I think that was it formally outside of, you know, a couple big brothers. I was on the standards board for a semester. I was on standards board as well, but I don't think I held any other positions besides that. I held a couple positions. I was like the couple the cab secretary chapter advisory board my freshman year. And then I did the scholarship coordinator, the scoop while you vocab scoop while you poop. That was shout out to Scott Turk, Collie award winner for that idea. But I'd like, put these, like I put these vocab words and then these urban dictionary vocab words in the, <laughs> Oh yeah. I remember that in the stalls at the house. And then my junior year, I was chapter president. What were some of the most valuable lessons you took away from your collegiate experience that has made you into the men you are today? I'll lead off because I think I have a very quick answer. I think some of the most like real life experiences happen in the fraternity when you are like, so my position president, it's peer to peer leadership. Like no one has to like follow me or obey or follow my lead. Like it's all just a bunch of guys who are voluntarily there. You know, it's not a work hierarchy. And so you learn to like serve, you learn to like build friendships, you argue, you vote, and you just create these lifelong friendships, like what Flez said that, you know, it's harder to get when you get older and older. And so I feel like the college experience and then specifically the fraternity experience was an incredible incubator 
for preparing me for real life in terms of just valuable life lessons, whether it was, yeah, managing a crisis when we didn't make the best decisions during a formal to um, gaining valuable leadership experience that really translates into, you know, real life when you're interacting and engaging and leading alongside your, your peers. So that that's what my answer would be. Yeah, I think you hit on it there with like conflict resolution, yeah. accountability for not only yourself, but for others managing, whether that's if you were a committee chair or some sort of leadership role, but then also just being a part of something bigger than yourself and recognizing that your actions, um, whether that you're in a fraternity, whether you're in a marriage, whether you're in a fortune 500 company, like your actions alone have impacts and they impact the broader group. And so like, how do you represent not only yourself, your company, your marriage, whatever, how do you represent that well? and uh, lead at the same time. Kind of already touched on it, just the connections and building confidence because college is like the first time you're away from home. You know, it's the first time you experience like true autonomy. Well, like for the most part, autonomy. Yeah. Uh, In your daily life, you know, your parents aren't there telling you what to do, sort of, right? Um, At least you feel like you're, you don't have that anymore. Like uh, that was my experience. You know, I know for me, I went a little bit uh, wild there the first semester, freshman year. <laughs> I just like freedom. <laughs> yeah. But then it's like, that's not sustainable. And you're like, you, you just kind of learn how to like be on your own and be like confident and just kind of learn, like start to learn all the things that you need to learn to get into post-college life when you are on your own and you get into your career and all that stuff. As you progress in your experience at Theta Chi, like if you start freshman year and you end up as a senior still in the chapter, it's it's like, I feel like each year you kind of learn different things. But I mean, for me starting out, time management was definitely something that I was forced to learn because of mostly Theta Chi, because obviously it's way more fun to go hang out with your brothers and you know play sports or hang at the house than it is to go do a whole bunch of school stuff. And I feel like you know, that was that was a good learning experience for me. It kind of forced me to watch other older brothers and figure out how to correctly prioritize things and make goals. And I feel like overall, just being a part of the fraternity, it was like you were in a bubble of positive reinforcement towards the correct actions and goals, you know, um, rather than being kind of like on your own and having that autonomy without a whole lot of really good positive guardrails on either side of you so our chapter especially i think there were so many good uh role models that until you're like a junior or senior and you look at the guys coming up that are freshmen and sophomores you don't realize like oh man these guys that were seniors when i was a freshman made such a big difference to me now i'm that guy like i need to i need to really take that honor seriously because what you do really matters as it pertains to the actions and development of those other guys that are that are a little bit younger in the chapter so i think just sort of being able to feel the impact of that and and kind of carry that through after graduation and like rob said use that lesson in real life in all sorts of situations is like so valuable for someone to learn in college you know that what you do really does matter and there's certain certain ways to get respect certain ways to lead and if you can do that via hard work and good principles and values and ethics, like you're going to be set. 
I was going to say one more thing too, is, uh, you know, our, our fraternity was fairly diverse overall too, which is, you know, as like a population in our fraternity was, and I feel like that, and we all came together even though we were all fairly, you know, not all of us were different, but like, well, we were all very different, you know, it wasn't like catered to like one, one type of population segment. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, you know, like there were people that were, not just like yeah like external things like different culture well like different cultures different skin colors yeah just different backgrounds overall but like we also had guys that were really good at art that would make our homecoming experience better guys that were phenomenal athletes you know very good academically uh engineers like there's just so many different people and it's a blessing that we all got to experience that i think that's very unique and i mean you look at some of these guys too and it's like i mean everybody that I mean, I was hanging around is doing pretty well in life overall. You know, I'm thankful for that experience yeah. to have been around, not just like white dude from the Midwest. So, like me, true. Yeah. That's good. <laughs> I would just, yeah. I was just gonna say, I feel very like it's it's cool that we're doing this because it's kind of taken us down memory lane a little bit. <laughs> yeah, but I just feel super blessed that we joined a chapter of a fraternity that's actually set out to do what a fraternity is meant to do. Like getting back to the the roots of like why a fraternity was actually created and the good that comes from it. I mean, we specifically referred to ourselves as fraternity men and not frat boys. And there is a stark difference. And um, I think that, you know, our fraternity really leaned into that and, we had a very positive experience because of what we stood for. And it wasn't that we got really good at drinking or really good at picking up chicks. Like, no, that wasn't our focus. That's not what, what Theta Chi Iota Beta represents. I just feel super fortunate that we didn't get hazed because that would have been my ticket out the door. I wouldn't have succumbed to, uh, to that sort of torture or anything like that. So just an echo to just feel, feel super fortunate to, to be a part of something that, that got back to the roots and, and the real reason of why men get together. Our chapter was kind of like a chapter that attracted dudes that you typically wouldn't think would even want anything to do with the fraternity to want to join a fraternity. So yeah, yeah it, it felt like that different. It felt that different than the typical party house stereotype. What is the next book we'll be reading and discussing? Scarcity Brain by Michael Easter. And uh, so his first book was The Comfort Crisis. That's what we, that's the first book we did in our book club was Comfort Crisis, which was all about, you know, how we're all just, we have too much comfort now and kind of make, I mean, I see it as like, we just take things for granted. Like it's like, oh, here's this food that just got delivered to me. And that's like, things are almost too easy now. It's so paradoxical, we almost, right? That we too almost, much comfort yeah. is uncomfortable because it messes. Basically, up. yeah. I just like talked about the benefits of forcing yourself to be uncomfortable and stuff like that. This one is more scarcity brain, I think, is more along the lines of our attention is being zapped at every in every second just by all the stimulus and kind of, you know, advertising and just our brains haven't really adapted to be able to handle all of the stimulus. And so I think it's going to talk about that and uh, hopefully ways to help manage that and to uh, be able to focus and um, establish better habits and stuff like that. That's kind of 
hopefully that's kind of where I see it going. I yeah, just reading the title scarcity brain, fix your, fix your craving mindset and rewire your habits to thrive with enough. So I, I definitely think your, your point of view is, is going to be addressed and what you shared. And then also like just the idea that, you know, humankind throughout the years has been working hard to have enough food, provide for their families, not starve, things like that. And now, you know, in line with the comfort crisis, it's everything is just at the click of a button. And we obviously have to work and have money to pay for those things. But now it's to the other extreme where we have too much stuff, but yet our craving mindset has not, it doesn't stop. And so then there's overconsumption and how to rewire our habits to thrive with enough is, yeah, like how, how do we understand how we're wired and how to avoid some potential pitfalls from having a, a scarcity brain mindset of always needing more and more and more. So that'll be good for me, considering I work in consumer products and sell products <laughs> and are rewarded by how much we sell. <laughs> you know, I, I heard someone talking about like metabolism one time in, in kind of this context. He said something like, as it pertains to survival, an animal does better if it uses its calories as sparingly as possible to survive. Until recently, humans have been the same way. And now the more effort you can expend and the more focus you can expend and the more calories you can burn, like brain power wise, especially, the more you usually get ahead. So it's basically the opposite of how we've always been wired, right? And I thought I thought that was pretty pretty crazy to think about. It's it's completely opposite of what you know, nature kind of started us out with because you were always worried about getting enough food so that you could go out and work in the field the next day so you could grow more food versus like, you know, how can I limit my consumption of food and not get fat and go to the gym and also like use all this brain power to produce something that the world is going to pay me for or something, you know, or I'm going to get promoted for or provide for my family or whatever. So I'm, yeah. I'm really excited about this one. I think it's something that hopefully will give us the tools we need and the knowledge we need to kind of forgive ourselves for being the way we are in this modern time, you know? That's good, Thomas. Man, I hadn't even thought about that. That's good. Yeah, it's so wild. Like we're living in quite a time. The The world is, has never been like this. And I don't know, man, it's, it's, it's still like, we're like the second or third generation where we've transitioned to this like knowledge-based type economy before before now it's been all about brawn for the most part you know mm. yeah i attended a, a conference that talked about like it was like a leadership conference and there were three types of the skill set like it first was like the physical like iq or whatever you want to call it physical traits yeah the brawn and then it was IQ, where it's like, all right, how can we build machines and bridges and like manufacturing to like get us going? And now the next set of leaders that have the highest EQ, emotional intelligence, are going to thrive the best because we're just oh, now, at, yeah. now we're at a day and age where emotional intelligence is like the key ingredient to like helping people thrive because we're not like we don't need brawn to do our jobs. I think our book club enhances that skill. I think it does. I hope it does. I feel it has. Yeah. Um, and I, I can that take this one and then we can wrap it up. Where can your brothers find this podcast to lend you their support? Yeah, we would uh, appreciate a helping hand again. I, I would say too, like remembering the focus of the podcast, the, the podcast, like we say at the end of each podcast, read, reflect and connect. And that's our focus. It's to connect with one another, 
I think that's been amply illustrated through answering these questions, the backstory of how this started, and what we do each week. Uh, reading, obviously reading is only a net positive thing. Uh, and then reflecting. If you've listened to any of these episodes thus far, there's been an incredible amount of reflection. And I was even talking to my wife today that I feel like I have personally grown a ton the last 10 weeks specifically with the book we're reading, but I've grown a lot just through this connection of this group. So lending their support, sure, it's subscribing, it's listening, but more importantly, it's seen our hope and vision come to life where they would reconnect with some of their brothers that maybe they've become distanced from just through time and space. Or if they are feeling that they're, you know, they need that connection, that they start a book club and they read along with us and they connect with their brothers and their friends and discuss the chapters like we're doing and following along. Yes, subscribe, give us a five-star review, all those typical things, but deeper than that. Instagram books, brothers podcast. I just think it's been, it's been super cool. I think the, the majority of our followers would, I would tend to say that more than half or half are probably fraternity brothers themselves, mm. but it's been super cool to hear from guys that I haven't heard from in years and they reach out and they're like, Hey, really enjoyed this one. Or, yeah. Oh man, that ad was so funny that you guys did here. So reach out to us, reach out to your brothers, like Garrett said, share it. We try to put in some fake advertisements in there to get the guys laughing and the audience laughing and it makes us laugh. All right. Well, thanks again, Greg, for asking us all these questions and including us in the summer edition of The Rattle. We look forward to it. Thanks for tuning in to this special episode of the Books Brothers Podcast. Be sure to check out the link to the article in the show notes. We'll take the next two weeks off, but please plan to join us for season two with episode one releasing on January 9, 2024. Our next book is Scarcity Brain. Fix your craving mindset and rewire your habits to thrive with enough by Michael Easter. We'll post the link to purchase the book on Amazon in the show notes. Add it to your last minute Christmas list and read along with us. For our first episode, we'll read the introduction our scarcity brain, chapter one, the scarcity loop, and chapter two, how the scarcity loop hooks us from pages one to 37. Don't forget to subscribe and give us a review. We would really appreciate it. Also, please consider sharing this podcast with a friend or family member who you think would get something out of it. Finally, we'd love to hear from you. If you were challenged by our conversation or have any questions or feedback, email us at connect at booksbrotherspodcast.com. We hope you have a Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays, and a Happy New Year. We'll see you in 2024. Until then, read, reflect, and connect.